श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जय श्री श्री गोराधमाधव की जय और भक्त बिंद की जय बहुत प्रेमानंदी गुड इवनिंग सो वी बीन डिस्कसिंग फ्रॉम भक्ति रसामिता सिंधु द कैरेक्टरिस्टिक्स ऑफ वन हु इज अटेंड व्हाट आर यू श्योर स्प्राउट अभावंकूर Only the sprout of bhav, beginning. Mm. Pardon me. Um, there's a sprout each time, but it's the difference between bhava that's mature and bhava that's not. And here we're referring to bhava in terms of the stayi bhav. So that the sprout of the stayi bhav, and when the stayi bhav becomes mature, then it becomes synonymous with with rasa, combining all the others, other bhavs. Old bhav and new bhav means one attained bhav in one life, and comes back in the next life, attains bhav again. the idea of being that uh, to fully attain it requires intense bhakti so we're hearing these characteristics and um, we heard the first one the forbearance of maharaj priksha was given as as example next is ata avyartha kalatvam and an example from hari bhakti sudadai is given avyartha kalatvam means to not waste any time not wasting any time the hari bhakti sudadai says that the devotee continually praise the lord with words remember him with remember him with their minds and offer respects with their bodies still they are not satisfied with tears flowing from their eyes they offer their complete lives to the lord very intense situation as described here next is ta virakti detachment detachment <coughs> means having a natural taste distaste excuse me for objects of the senses divago swami comments that detachment is the caused and taste distaste excuse me is the effect but they are considered the same in the definition because they are mutually dependent and generally in these type of texts the cause the effect is thought to be within the cause and they're one in that sense so an example is given at, at any rate of this detachment from the fifth canto Well, while in the prime of life 
the great Maharaj Bharat gave up everything because he was fond of serving the personality of God at Uttam Shloka. He gave up his beautiful wife, nice children, great friends, and an enormous empire. Although these things are very difficult to give up, Maharaj Bharat was so exalted that he gave them up just as one gives up stool after evacuating. Such was the greatness of his majesty. So we hear about detachment, we often speak of it as being a byproduct of bhakti and that our path itself is not one in which detachment in its culture directly is an anga. It is an anga of the Gyanmarg, a very prominent one, but it's not an anga or a limb of the body of bhakti. Rupa Goswami makes this point in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu when he says that detachment and knowledge, knowledge meaning the corresponding, the knowledge which corresponds with detachment from sense objects means the knowledge that there's, that uh, I'm not a th- constituted of things and identification with sense objects is not in my interest. That is a little bit, maybe a little bit helpful in the beginning of bhakti, but this, uh, this culture and the culture of detachment directly is not an anga of bhakti, rather than being the way, or one of, or one of the limbs, it, it is a result of bhakti. Vasudeva bhagavati bhakti yoga prayojita janayati asu vairagyam jnanam chayarohitukam. So it's mentioned in, in Bhagavata with uh, devotion to Vasudeva. Very quickly, jnana and vairagya come and make small of them. And this is a consistent theme throughout the Bhagavatam, with the purpose of contrasting bhakti with jnana, and really with with yoga also, nishkam karma, yoga, astanga yoga. Bhakti is quite different, as we know, positive in its approach, um, fixated on the cultivation of love of Krishna, um, rather than on detachment or, from the karma side, acquisition, or all the um, overt effort involved in these paths, in the yoga path, hmm? an effort, as I often say, to, to acquire grace. It's a very, very different idea. It's a, you can see it's a very different uh, species. That's why we find at the end of the sixth chapter, Krishna says, well, better than being a, what does he say, a tapasvi is to be a jnani, better than a jnani is to be a yogi, better than to be a yogi is to be a devotee. And the language there, as explained by the uh, both Bhajabhushana and then Vishwanath Chakrati Thakur, this kind of seminal, really, commentators for the Gaudiya lineage on the Bhagavad Gita, they, uh, they make the point that it's a whole different thing. It's not a, they don't look at it as, there's this yoga, there's that, yo- that yoga, and there's bhakti yoga. There's bhakti. Hmm. And again, as we often repeat, without bhakti, these other paths will not be efficacious. Even the karma mark, hmm. yoga mark, gyan mark, in terms of delivering the results. So, it's the mainstream. Hmm. And, again, here is a quality, a characteristic of one in bhava, this detachment. Even while, as I say, it's not directly cultivated. Sometimes we speak of, or Rupa Goswami used the term, 
yukta vairagya. Sometimes this is thought of as well. We don't really own anything anyway, but what we do, what we are possessed of, is a false sense of proprietorship. That should be given up. And having done so, then we can be in contact with things, if you will, for a different purpose, with attachment to Bhagwan. Sometimes it's said that if, it's, if a snake has fangs, it's poisonous, it can be dangerous, but if you were to take out the fang, fangs, it wouldn't be. And so taking out the attachment to the things for one's own self-conceived illusory purpose, but keeping them for another purpose, this means like taking prashadam, like having beads, japa beads, these things. met a girl once and uh, in Vrindavan, and she had been in, in the Himalayas and, and met some Baba's there, and they insisted she had to throw away her beads. Hmm? Detachment. Hmm? Uh, well, if we go to the temple and say, they've offered prasad, we say, no, I'm fasting, forming some austerity. Katapaspi, that would be offense to bhakti. Hmm? So that said, uh, when, when we do find devotees in unique circumstances, surrounded by things, there are some um, prominent examples, and uh, especially with regard to the outreach and distribution and so forth. Although Mahaprabhu did his fair share and didn't have any money, um, um, still in, in the modern age, we've seen Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur drove in the limousine and and uh, he uh, sent his brahmacharis out to raise funds for building temples and hoisting up flags that Krishna's here in a city coming after you from the Dom and so forth. Um, so this is very, uh, very dynamic on his part. It's said that he sat for a long time in, in, in Nam Smarnam and got up from that to interact with the world without being affected by it. This was a characteristic of Prabhupada, as I mentioned a few nights back, that that was unique, uh, um, I believe, amongst sadhus who, from different paths who came from India in the 60s and the 70s. He was never enamored by any of the facilities, beautiful girls and willing servitors and... and uh, buildings and those bands, Volkswagen bands that the boys were in, traveling, selling the books in the villages and so forth. As he talks about, this is an example of how he thought about the things. I told you the story of how he is a young man after I, just months after I'd taken sannyasa, I met him in New York and he asked me, have you seen the New York women? You've heard the story. So it was amazing to see how he was thinking about them and how the whole New York is going on because of it. And this is Vishnu Maya, hmm. never thinking of it as uh, as an ordinary man might. Um, so there, were, there are examples of this. There are examples in the Leela, the extraordinary example of Ramananda Roy. Um, Mahaprabhu sent, who was at Pradyumna Mishra, to, to get instructed in bhakti from Ramananda Roy, and he was teaching young ladies how to dance for... Jagannath, hmm. the Devi Dasis, they were said to be like um, 
what would you call them? They were they were they belonged to the deity hmm? and the temple. Hmm? There are some implications of that, but uh, they weren't married and they belonged to the temple. Anyway, they were dancing girls for Jagannath, and he used to teach them. Hmm. The uh, and in the context of teaching them, he would even massage them. Hmm. And so forth, and when so when Pradyumna Mishra went to see uh, Ramananda Roy at the uh, suggestion of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he came back and said, "I I can't learn from him. That's like extraordinary. Even if I looked, uh, Mahaprabhu said something. I don't know if it was on this occasion, but it might have been that even an ordinary man or even looking at a wooden form, a person looking at a wooden form of the opposite sex can get distracted." What to speak of what Ramananda Roy was was doing, and completely in the consciousness of 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 of, uh, of Brindavan, hmm? very extraordinary person, and a very extraordinary example of renunciation. And there are many like this that are quite different from the example of Rishabdev that's being cited here, or excuse me, of Bharat, who is the son of. One of the sons, the most famous son of Rishabdev. So we could say, like father, like son. Uh, Rishabdev was a very extraordinary um, avidut and uh, very, uh, his lifestyle, if you will, was very overtly um, renounced or detached. Bharat, of course, on the other end of the spectrum, one of the, whatever it was, so many sons. Abhishavde became the king. India was named after him, Bharat. There was a previous name, but this, under Bharat's rule, it became um, named after him, and that is stuck. So I don't know if they've changed that. In India, they've, the Hindu party has changed a lot of the old names of the cities and so forth, back to what they were previously, I guess, maybe before the British came or something like that. But um, anyway, Bharat, the great Bharat, Hmm. Um, named after King Bart. So here's a king means worldliness. We know that this from uh, Chaitanya Leela, the uh, Mahabrabhu was very um, uh, reticent to meet with the king, Rajpratapurudra, who himself was a great uh, devotee, but... He was a Gajapati, so the Lord of Elephants, which meant he was very, very wealthy. He was a powerful Hindu king, and the Muslims couldn't enter into his his kingdom. And there he hosted pilgrims, of course, coming to see the great Lord Jagannath. Um, but still, Mahaprabhu was a sannyasi, and Pratapurjamraj was the king, and these were opposite ends of the social spectrum. Mahaprabhu was off the social map and the king was like in the center of it uh, and of worldliness. Mahaprabhu was otherworldly and he was a king meant in the world. Hmm. Harems, treasures, fine clothes, royal foods. Um, And seriously, what a king wanted, a king had. You know the story of the king, well, the Muslim king, the Muslim king, when he, uh, Hussein saw, was building his 
having his 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 tomb built before he died so that he would oversee the architecture and it would be the greatest building in all of India. Hmm. And when they were nearing the completion of it, um, he was exclaiming how good it was. And I think the head artisan said, I I could have done it better. And so then he cut his head off. Hmm. So King King said, there's more to the story, of course. And he told his assistant, what did he tell him? Go get it or something like that. He didn't know what to get, but he just got out of there. And um, wondering what it was that he wanted, he wandered into Ram Kaili, and there he met the two young men, Rup Sanatan, who saw him and saw he was disturbed. So their natural, compassionate hearts came out. And they asked what was troubling him. So he told, and they said, tell us the story. So they said, oh, what he wants is another artisan to replace him. So he came back with another artisan, and then he said, how did you know what was on my mind? He said, oh, these boys, they told. And he said, bring the boys here. Hmm. And he made them the cabinet members. Uh, really, Sanatana was his, was the uh, ruler in absence when the king would go out hunting and so on and so forth. Hmm. But anyway, the point is, these king, this is, this is real, talking about real feudal India, kings, and they were like gods on earth. So whatever they wanted, they had blue blood. Everybody else had red blood, as it was thought in Europe, I guess. So um, this, then, you could get the contrast between that and position and a sannyasi. They are very opposite. And Mahaprabhu was very reticent, as I say, to meet the king, king, although he was petitioned to do so by a number of uh, his close associates who knew the inner heart of the king. Hmm. But still, for the sake of example, Mahaprabhu Chichitanadev set a very good example as a sannyasi. Hmm. His teaching was very much centered on this principle that one should teach primarily by example. Um, indeed, what did he write? Most teachers write so many books and so on and so forth. And not that that's wrong, it's good. Prabhupada said himself that the first business of Acharya is to, is to make a literary contribution. Hmm. Um, but Mahaprabhu didn't do that. He wrote eight verses, we know that. Hmm. That's not very much. But uh, his conversions, which were significant, were done um, largely by his example. And uh, uh, he didn't have to say much. He kept silent, really, to, 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 to convert um, Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya for seven days. And then he became so so nervous, uh, and he, such a teachable moment was created. Of course, he did speak a little bit after that, but he was really converted, really, by the silence of Mahaprabhu. He converted Venkata, the leader of the Ramanujas, the, the head priest, I should say, by joking. Hmm, why isn't... Uh, I thought Lakshmi was chaste to Narayan. Oh, yes, yes. Then why is it that she wanted to have Krishna... Uh, rendezvous with Krishna. Oh, no, 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 Krishna and Narayan, same. He said. And Mahaprabhu said, but how come she couldn't? And he fainted at that question. He realized, this person is extraordinary. This, uh, through his humility, placing himself at the 
at the door where the feet of the sannyasis were washed in Banaris. Hmm? The proud sannyasis were moved and converted by him. Hmm? So this is very much a, a principle hmm? that yadadacharati shvestas tattadevetarojana sayat pramanam kruti lokas tadanavartate is one of the few verses of Bhagavad Gita quoted by Krishna's Kaviraj and Chaitanya Charitamrita. Whatever a great man does, others follow. And he has Mahaprabhu or Krishna thinking like this. I have to come set an example myself. Then others will be able to to follow. So as a sannyasin, then Mahaprabhu had taken that dress and uh, that order of life for the sake of dissemination. And if somehow his reputation, sannyasi is given respect hmm, in those times, um, if you had the uniform, you would be respected. So much so that over time, we find excess in that um, standard that Prabhupada himself talked about with regard to his father. If anyone was dressed like a sadhu, he would invite him in. Hmm? If the guy said, "Have you got? Where's the hookah?" Then he, father, would get one. Hmm? Um, it's kind of good, I suppose, to err on that side than on the other side um, and risk making offense hmm? to a sadhu. And Vaishnavas, of course, difficult to understand. Um, but Prabhupada wasn't too impressed with many of the sadhus in dress that came. But, of course, with the insistence of an acquaintance, he did come to meet with Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, and that had darshan impressed him for the rest of his life. So, at any rate, the especially in the time of Mahaprabhu, we can imagine that uh, the, uh, the saffron cloth, the red cloth, the renunciate would... Uh, bring um, respect amongst the white-clad men and women, the householders, the, the, uh, those within the Varnashram and so forth, the social system. Um, and so, at the same time, there must have been some bogus ones because <laughs> Mahaprabhu thought, well, if my, my character is blemished in some way, then my, my whole plan reason for taking sannyas will, will be um, um, will be foiled, so to speak, will be spoiled. Hmm. Not that Mahaprabhu could make a mistake, but people are pretty picky. <laughs> and um, they are also, on the other, the other side, they're also quick to find faults. Hmm. So he was very careful. And so much so that he frightened elder sannyasis like Brahmananda Bharati, who wore the deer skin, and his own sannyas, Guru, Ke- Guru Keshava Bharati, and so forth, the nine sannyasi uh, roots, as they're described, of the figurative Chaitanya tree, rooted in this kind of detachment from the world. Hmm? Hmm. You know, he used to, by his standards of renunciation, they were intimidated. He was only a young man of, what, 20, 24 years old. So, at any rate, his his strictness shows up in this regard, he would not see the king, Pratipurita Maharaj. And it's a beautiful uh, story that just comes up in this chapter and then it's followed in another chapter and it shows up again. And 
until, of course, he finally does meet the king when the king dresses himself under the, under the uh, coaching of Sarvabhama Bhattacharya in ordinary Vaishnava dress and comes at a time when Mahaprabhu, when Sarvabhama, when Mahaprabhu will fall into a trance at this place, at this time, very likely during the Ratha Yatra, at that time come dressed like an ordinary Vaishnava and sing these songs, Tapakatamritam Taptajivanam Kaviviriditam Kalmasapaham Shalanamangalam Sri Maratatam Bhubigrananti Ye Buddhida Janaha Songs from the Gopi Gita hmm? Calling Krishna to return Where have you, what has he done, where has he gone? Glorifying him on the banks of the Jumuna as they did so when they got to this verse, when I cited Mahaprabhu woke, rose up and embraced him and said, you are the most magnanimous. The verse says, the who, those magnanimous people hmm, who distribute Krishna consciousness in this world, they're very extraordinary. Hmm. It's a beautiful glorification of Krishna in that uh, verse as well. But at any rate, with this verse, he said, you are the most magnanimous. And he got the darshan of the king. Mahaprabhu, being omniscient, is thought to have known all the time, but again, he he was very careful to set a standard for all of us. So the, the uh, renunciate and the king, these are two opposites. And we have this, these extremes in the life of the father, Rishabhdev, and the son, Bharat. Rishabhdev, in the previous chapters, is described. The story of Bharat covers about maybe five, six chapters. Hmm? Um, and it goes over as more than one of his uh, lives. This verse here is is the final verse, one of the concluding verses on the chapters on Bharat Marsh, and it really refers back to his early life as a king. Hmm? And um, and how, despite being surrounded by worldliness as a king is, he was a devotee and he attained bhava and he became detached and left everything. Good friends, family, wife, kingdom, the whole thing. He had everything going for himself. He walked out and the examples given, like, like after having passed stool, he left it. Hmm. It means that 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 he he developed a distaste for it, with detachment and its culture unto itself. Hmm? We do not necessarily, if at all, develop a distaste. Therefore, you commonly find tyagis becoming bogies. Hmm? Tyag turns into bog, bog turns into tyag, and even this is the common course, right? We, 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 we want something, we get it, we get tired of it, we don't want to do it again. And so from bogue to tag, and then we go back to bogue, try it again, tag, bogue, tag. And similarly, also, with the actual uh, sophisticated and system systematic approach to tag, to renunciation, hmm, the culture of gyan and bairagya, for example, um, can often turn into bogue. Or uh, I told the example, the story of the, the, the guy who used to stand on one leg, right? 
So he was very renounced, and then he got a big temple and all, and, so kind of, and uh, enjoyed himself there. Hmm. The example of Subari Muni comes to mind. It's a story in the Bhagavatam. Hey, look who's here. Welcome. Okay. So Barimuni was was a renunciate, and he was so renounced. You have to understand these stories of the Bhagavatam. What the point they're making? He was so renounced that he was living underwater, isn't it? <laughs> he was meditating underwater. So apparently, he had mastered the pranayam, <laughs> the breath control, pretty well. Hmm? But uh, what happened to him, I mean, if anybody would see this or hear this, they would run to him in the world and think, here is a real sadhu, a realized soul. He's living underwater, for God's sake. Um, Miraculous, you know, um, counteracting nature and so forth. Of course, he was just holding his breath for a long time. But... um, what happened was he saw two fish uh, copulating, which means they were getting together on a date, <laughs> two fish. And seeing that, the desire that his, that his, that his overt um, practice of renunciation was suppressing came to the surface. Hmm. Came to the surface and he, he desired to copulate. Um, and so then he said he, he, was, he was a mystic so he, he, I don't know, he got some queens and he had a whole thing going on for a while. And then he got tired of that. So Bogan Tag, this is an interesting example in the Bhagavatam. Hmm. And the, the import of it is 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 that that from tag begets bog, bog begets tag, hmm? Hmm? and that the overt attempt to renounce hmm, is more or less an act of repression. What happened to Shiva was that he was meditating, dressed in ashes. Hmm? And Cupid came to distract him. And so he got mad at Cupid. So this anger is a sign of repression. And with his anger, he burned the body of Cupid, which, as we say, only made things worse, because now, thanks to Shiva's anger, Cupid is invisible. It was hard enough to you know, deal with when he was visible, what to speak of when he's invisible. So the whole idea of this, of course, is that 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 the the direct culture of renunciation. What does the Gita say? Makes it very clear. Raso va raso raso. Raso varjam raso piasya param dushtva ivartate. Hmm. By rasa, by taste, hmm. higher taste, raso vajram raso param dushtva nivartate. 
then one can remain fixed in enunciation. So, giving up the lower taste for a higher taste is the idea. And so this is what's being stressed in this verse, um, the language that's used, with regard to Bharat Maharaj. That he, that's why it's said, he gave up the things that he was attached to, wealth, fame, friends, family. He was a king, he had everything. As if it were stool. The implication of this is that that he had no taste for it whatsoever. The taste for it was gone because he had a taste for something else. Hmm? Not that he gave up the taste and and he was tasting nothing. Hmm? Just by ragya, that's a bad meal. <laughs> that's not very palatable. Hmm? Hmm? Or just atma, atmagyan, hmm? even atmananda. Hmm. Oh. He had taste for bhakti. Hmm. And, uh, of course, his story, as I say, it's, it's a long story. And, uh, and, so th- and this renunciation is a byproduct of the bhakti. Um, and while we've given other examples of renunciation that are hard to detect, Ramananda Roy and Bhakti Siddhanta driving in the, the motor car and this type of thing, Bart Maharaj, who's used as an example here of the uh, quality or the character of detachment as one of the distinguishing characteristics of of, of the sprout of bhava, his example is being used because he was so overtly detached, hmm? um, following in the footsteps of really his father, like father, like son, Rishabdev. But that took a couple births to arrive at. We should tell a little bit the, the story. The verse here refers to his entering into Bhava Bhakti, rejecting the kingdom and so forth. He went to live in the in the, in, in the Himalayas and the forest and so forth. And there he was doing his uh, worship and um, weeping and other ecstatic symptoms are described have manifest in his character. Hmm. Um, so that's what this verse is referring to, hmm. the kind of detachment that came in him in Baba. But as we see, he went on to become even more detached because it appears that he lost his Baba. Hmm. This is the Babankur. Hmm. But Bard appears in the story to have lost his bhava because what happened was, while in the forest meditating, he saw a deer, a mother deer, pregnant, drinking from the river, and then a lion, or tiger, I think it was a lion, roared, and you know was about to pounce on the deer. And the mother deer was so frightened that she jumped across and fell down. And in the course of falling on the other side of the river, though safe from the deer, she died. And the the the, the doe, the, the the fawn, was aborted, but still alive, and falling into the river. So the compassionate Bharat went and retrieved the fawn and then nursed the fawn, and took care of the fawn. Hmm? And, but as it would have it, as you would have it, 
he became started to become attached to the fawn and think about the fawn and and uh, and if the fawn would go away he would look for her and so forth and his spiritual practices started to wane we think how can this possibly happen hmm uh, we just said rasovarjam rasopiasya paramdishtvartate he had a higher taste how could it happen in him hmm? he had attained at least the sprout of, of bhava He's not just a bairagi. Hmm? How did this happen to him? And of course, uh, it's been explained that this is an example of what's called shobana karma. Shobana means beautiful. Hmm? So, so, shobana, shuba karma, uh, auspicious karma. That means something arranged by Krishna, hmm, whom he's worshipping, for a purpose, to teach others and so forth, how we should be careful, hmm? Even even we should have be guarded with our compassion. I mean, a simple example is: young man joins the monastery, lives on the mountain, hmm? and then he thinks the world is suffering. Here I am sitting on the mountain. Hmm? The world is people are suffering in the world. What am I doing to, to help them? Hmm? So, in the name of leaving the mountain for the sake of the people, he leaves his his practice. And uh, engages in philanthropic activities, altruistic activities for a while until he gets married and has kids and <laughs> and uh, gets on with the normal life. So this some sense of that may come, but it has to be put in perspective. I'm on the mountain. I'm saving myself and setting an example by doing this that of a comprehensive making of making a comprehensive solution to the problem hmm. um, be kind to yourself for charity begins at home something like that um, the Gita's message is doctor cure thyself hmm. so this humanness you're seeing we have our humanness and um, and bhaktis are human like, but Krishna's human like, but human like is not human. So the humanness, but all with the wisdom that causes to be centered on Krishna, and when it is, and there's a there's appropriate kind of compassion. Um, there is a compassion for the suffering of the humanity, but there is a wisdom to, that what you can do, best do to resolve the situation. If in the course of doing that, you can also do something else, that's fine. Um, it's not the other end of the spectrum, the other, it's the guy's up in the monastery, right? He's up there, he's the monk, and uh, he thinks, all those people that suffer in the world, that's their karma. Yeah, I'm up here. You know, I'm good. They're bad. They're all karmis. They're down there suffering. They deserve to suffer. Hmm. So he's become hard-hearted. The other guy's soft-hearted, and then there's the hard-hearted. I mean, for bhakti, you have to have a little of both, not too much of one or the other. Hmm. Or your compassion, so-called soft-hearted, turns into bhog, actually. Hmm. And it, 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 so the human side, good side, hmm, the philanthropic, altruistic, soft human side 
comes to the fore, but it becomes a distraction from the practice. And the other guy's hard-hearted. He's fasting and renounced up there. And uh, he has no compassion. Prabhupada had compassion for everybody, but then he put his time and energy where he could do the best, the most. One of his disciples, one standing on the balcony of the rented house in Calcutta, and looking below, I told the story, there were two beggars, and they... He turned to Prabhupada and said, you know, Prabhupada, sometimes I, sometimes I actually, I actually feel sorry for these people. And Prabhupada said, why only sometimes? You weirdo. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like that. <laughs> why only sometimes? So he felt, you know, naturally a soft heart. He feels for the plight of people, but then he has the wisdom as to how to apply himself to, to bring about a most, the most comprehensive uh, solution. Mm-hmm. So, um, this story is an example of how not to be taken away by uh, kind of soft-heartedness, which can look a little hard-hearted sometimes hmm, to people who are too soft in heart hmm, and not wise, right? Um, so it's really a fine line to walk, so to speak. Hmm? And Bharat is supposed to be an example of who stepped over the line, his compassion be- became misplaced, and the result was he went. his practices became lax and so forth. But Krishna is said to have created this situation in order to teach by example and then to turn the uh, Bharat Maharaj into, a, into extreme renunciate actually. So what happened of course is he was the deer was he was attached to and he, he went looking for the deer when the deer wasn't there and and in the course of searching for the deer he fell and met his, his demise and his preoccupation with the deer caused him to take birth as a deer. Goodness. From the king to a sage to taking birth as a deer. Hmm? I think Prabhupada has commented that uh, that he stayed in the forest where sages were reciting the Bhagavatam. Hmm? Deer are known for having very good hearing. So he would stay at a distance to hear the Bhagavatam. Hmm? Um Vishnatakritakra, I think he comments that he, he, he left his dear mother and went, because he got born in a different place, and went up into the you know, place of pilgrimage, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, one life spent at a deer, but he retained knowledge of his previous birth. So this is indicative of the fact that, the, that although his parabda, his manifest karma, was actually... Ex- had expired hmm, by his bhakti. Krishna created this karma because bad things happen or embarrassing things happen sometimes to great souls. And we have to understand them hmm, by the outcome. The outcome should be extraordinary, although the event itself is is un- perhaps unbecoming. So this is unbecoming of Bart. But the outcome was he took a brother's a deer, not very becoming, but that he retained his previous life's memory, and that is very extraordinary. Hmm? So there are other examples. We've talked about this point before. Parashara fell for the fisherwoman, fisherman's daughter, very unbecoming of the sage, but but the result of it was Vyas was born. Hmm? Oh, yeah look at it 
and judge by the extraordinary results. So this happens sometimes. Hmm? Krishna is involved in the lives of those in Bhava Bhakti. Hmm? He may use them in a particular way to set example. He may embarrass them to drive them further. Hmm? And in the, in the case of Bart, he was certainly embarrassed by his by his past and what had happened to him. Hmm? And so uh, he lived his life as a deer very carefully and then he died and his third birth is described right the king's birth the, and within that he, he had like a second birth as a sage so to speak and then the deer's birth and then he became son of a brahmin hmm? and as the son of a brahmin i think he was uh, uh his father had like nine sons or something like that and and uh with two wives, and from the second wife he had twins, and Bart was one of the twins. Hmm. And so the father was a Brahmin, and he tried to train his son in Brahminical standards, how to chant the Gayatri, just like Sanatana, you know, make the count like this, and so forth. And Bart kept doing it, doing it backwards, and and everything they tried to, father tried, dutifully tried to teach him, he got it all wrong. Hmm. But he was fully conscious of his previous lives. Hmm. And so he was playing the part of the, like a deaf and a dumb person. He was so conscious that he did not want to get involved with people and worldliness and so forth. That he just acted like like he was dumb, deaf, practically um, a, a useless person from a material uh, point of view. Whatever they tried to train him in, he did it wrong, and he seemed like you know, like a homeless person or some, you know, some bag lady or something like that, you know. Very uh, bizarre uh, person, unfortunate, you know, for the family and so forth. said his father died and wasn't able to train him, and then he came under his stepfather, and his stepfather didn't have the same measure of affection to keep trying. <laughs> and so they just accepted him as he was, and they took advantage of him hmm? and used him for for. for making him work hard and so forth, and other sons would, would have less to do, and, and so on. Whatever he was plugged into, you know, he just did it. Hmm. And um, it's said that, he, that he, he, he responded to his family in a particular way, because they were in the Rajagun. He responded to them in a particular, particular way. Hmm. And after that... He was, he was kidnapped one night. He was left, like, I think, to to be a scarecrow in in, in the uh, in the field. Hmm? And at night he was kept there, sitting on a platform. And so, some thieves, Tamaguna, some thieves. They uh, uh, head of the thieves wanted to make a sacrifice to to Kali. A human sacrifice, by which he thought he would acquire some desirable result, and the, they had a, a um, captured a guy, and, but he escaped, and so they went looking for him, and they couldn't find him. But they came across who was now called Judd Bharat. Judd, he was like, <coughs> like, like inanimate. Hmm? Hmm? Like an inert, an inert part now. Hmm? Um, 
And so they, they, they captured him. He, he went along. Okay, what's next? Where we go now? Hmm? He was completely absorbed all the time in meditating on Bhagwan. So they brought him into the, to the shrine, and then they were going to um, kill him and offer his blood to Kali. And Kali, the goddess deity, burst. Hmm? It's a different description, but burst out of the deity form and attacked the thieves and and so forth because she knew Bharat was a was a Parambhashnav. Hmm? So this is how he responded to the Sattva Guna, hmm? or the, excuse me, the Tamaguna. Hmm? Uh, and then then after that, somehow he just going wherever you know whatever happens. That's where he is. So he's very overtly very renounced type of a person. And um, so he found himself uh, uh, picked up by some of the assistants of King Maharaj Rahugana, local king, and they uh, they needed, they, they, they put him as one of the palanquin carriers mm-hmm. of the king. So there was four or six guys carrying the king, Judd Bart's there doing his part. But he was walking and looking down, and, and he, whatever he would see insects, he would avoid them. He wouldn't step on, on ants. And so the king was getting this, like, bouncy ride, you know, an uh, un, un, uncomfortable ride. And so he, he complained, what's, what's going on? And then the, uh, the other said, oh, it's this guy here. He's, he's out of step, you know. They didn't know why he was out of step. But. So the king then took it upon himself. It was typically Rajaguna, but he was a very learned king, so he began to advise Judd Bharat. And um, and in the words of seeming praise of Judd Bharat, he's actually criticizing him. And um, and to his, to, his, to his surprise, now Judd Bharat, like for the first time, he responds. Because the king was a learned man, and so he responded differently to the sattva guna. And of course, then he began to speak and and uh, re- answered the king, and and uh, he gave Atmagyan knowledge of the self, and and replied to all his his, his questions. Hmm. So I'm not doing anything, he said. <laughs> if I was his body, then I could be accused of doing something, but I'm not doing anything. And this kind of thing he gave, and ultimately he gave knowledge of bhakti also, and of course Rahugana, uh, he. He paid his uh, pranams to ultimately to got off of his palanquin and respected Judd Bart and uh, became famous for that himself for, for taking shelter of the devotees. Famous first there that the, the only only by the mercy of the devotees hmm. is it possible to uh, to make spiritual progress. So, um made such a statement, a beautiful prayer in relation to. So this is his, his three lives, and we could see in his third life, of course, the verse is talking about his first life and entering into as a sage and so on and so forth, but still, the measure of his renunciation is very extraordinary. So I think this is a good example um, for Virakti or this symptom of detachment because it's so overtly um, apparent that he was attached, while Vaishnavera Kriyamudra Bhignana It may be difficult to understand Vaishnavas. They may look like they're, like I said, Ramana Roy, like he was attached to women, even. 
and serving them and intimately involved with them when he was actually completely detached. So it's difficult to... They may act like ordinary people, but their motives, this verse, like cited says, is, can be very different. So you have to kind of trace that out, if you will. But with the example of Bharat Marjan, it's very clear. He was, like I said, like father, like son. Judd Bharat was like Rishabh Dave, <laughs> uh, described in the previous chapter. It's kind of like inert uh, and uh, completely uh, uh, oblivious, almost, really, to the, to the, to the external world. And so this should come about hmm, in in the devotees. The loss of taste is the main point. We're living for taste. Oh. Krishna said, I am taste. Raso, raso amapso kundaya. I am taste. Hmm. This is a nice verse because it, it, it makes the point in the Gita, the Gita Upanishad, that Krishna is rasa. Hmm. I am taste. Uh, of course, taste and taste in the water, but then we take it further. And the Upanishads also say, "What Rasovai Saha Brahman is Rasa, Brahman is taste." And then we, then of course, the, the teachings of Bharat Muni and other Bharat who teach the Rasa Shastras and so forth that, that Rupa Goswami used to describe Bhakti Rasa that comes later hmm, chronologically, but. We make the connection hmm, that this is the rasa that Bhagwan is. This is the ultimate taste, bhakti rasa. Hmm. It's a higher taste. Again, in the Gita, rasa vajam, rasa opiasya, param nishtva, The higher taste, you can give up the lower. Hmm. So this is an example of Bhara to teach us this about this quality. Any question? Yes. Uh, you mentioned Rupa said that, uh, no, Rupa Jiva said that in the beginning, um, a little detachment, a little knowledge. Rupa Goswami, yeah. Goswami. Uh, so, what is that beginning? Up through what stage? Can it be qualified like that? I think um, he's talking about in the beginning, in in... In the context of Sadhu Sangha, we get some bandhagyana, so there should be some emphasis on this point. I've made the point that at the time of Rupa Goswami making that statement, of course, everybody except maybe Charvak thought, yeah, we're not the body, at least theoretically. Hmm? Um, um, but still everybody needs to you know, have that point driven in with examples and so on and so forth to some extent. But I think in our times, that idea is that you're not the body is more of a distant idea. And there may need to be a little more emphasis on it to help people get oriented towards the pursuit of experiential spiritual life and bhakti. But he, he doesn't, he, 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 he more or less says, when bhakti kicks in, when when faith is there, then he doesn't explain. I don't, it's a good question. I mean, but they're not angas of bhakti, so we don't sit and belabor the point. We 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 do belabor in the context of bhakti. Um, example has been given. 
and I've given it myself. That when you mean you need to push a card first, but once it gets going, it goes. So a little bit. Hmm? Once you're maybe self-driven, hmm? self-motivated, hmm? the more the taste is driving, the less the, the, you know, the, the, the need for for knowledge. Hmm? But the important point is that they're not angas of bhakti, so we don't overtly cultivate detachment or knowledge of the difference between the body and the atma. You have to understand this in the way that the jnanis do. Hmm? Oh. You know, you sit and reason about it long hours and um, and then there are requisite practices and so forth. We don't do that. I mean, we talk about it. It's an, it's part of our samandagyan, the the body, the atma, is has a relation with the with the maya shakti. What is the relationship between this? So it's part of it. What else? Yes. You talk about how Jad Bharat interacted with different people based on their conditioning, based on Sattva, Rajas, and Thomas. Is that the natural tendency of a of a sadhu? Sure, you're going to, yeah. Like you were mentioning about the doctor the other day, so he's in a particular, you want to be careful to fan his spark of interest and yeah. talk to different people on different levels, but uh, right. I guess that's the art of preaching. That's right. That's right. All right, we'll stop there. Sri Sri Gorada Mahadavaki Jai Kodivasna Guru Paramparakinda Gor Bhaktavinda Kinda Gor Premanandi Divine Grace Bhaktivedanta Chakrasana Guru Maharaj Ki Jai